well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. Sunday, May 16th, we're going to have our Senior Sunday program, and it'll be at the end of our 10 a.m. service, and so we'll have this program together where we'll honor our graduating seniors. And then after that, the whole church is invited to our gym where we'll have a lunch to honor uh, the graduates and their families, but everybody's invited for that, and we'll show a video of their baby pictures up until present time. And so it should be a good time of honoring them. And so as school year's kind of winding down, and uh, for many, you're kind of starting to think about summer, especially those that are about to graduate high school. And I can't help but at times like this think back to when I was about to graduate high school. And for me, when I graduated high school, I was, I was really excited about that. I was ready for a fresh start at college. I was ready to go off and, and go to Harding and kind of ready for that next season of life. High school was maybe not my best season of life. And so I was looking forward to a new start. And when I graduated, I was just kind of ready to be done with it. But my parents really wanted to make a big deal about it, and so they had a graduation party for me. And my high school was kind of this larger public school, and there was about 500 of us that graduated in my senior class, and they decided to have this event. And so the event was this kind of lock-in, all-night celebration after graduation. And I guess the idea was they were going to have this event in order to prevent people from having their own parties and making bad decisions. I don't think they had me specifically in mind, but they were trying to have like a chaperoned event for the graduates. And so you could pay some money and be a part of this event with all of your friends that you graduated high school with. For me, both of my friends that I graduated high school with. And so they put this out there for people to be a part of, and I did not want to go. I was like, I don't want to do this. This sounds not fun at all. I'm kind of ready to, to get past this and meet new people. And my parents were like, you, you really should go. Like, this is kind of your last thing with your high school friends. Like, go to this event. And it was like kind of a back and forth for a while. And eventually I decided to go. And so what this event was like is it took place at this community center and they really went all out. Like they had a hypnotist brought in and they had all kinds of food and games and activities throughout the, the evening. They had like a, a money machine where you, everybody got an opportunity to get in the money machine and grab the cash as it's floating around. And then one of their big pitches was that they were going to give out prizes throughout the night. And the grand prize was a desktop computer. And so I remember at about 3.30, 4 a.m., they announced the winner of this desktop computer. And they called my name. I won. I won the desktop computer. And I remember being so excited. I didn't have a computer for college yet. And so I was so excited. I, I made the decision to call my parents right then at 3.30 and 4 in the morning. They weren't as excited as I was in the moment about it and were confused why I was calling them. And so the rest of the night, like, it was so much fun. I'd won this computer. I was so thrilled about that. And what I realized is that, man, I, I almost didn't go to this thing. And if I didn't go, I would have missed out on this prize. If I had not been a part of the celebration, I would have missed out on the reward. If I hadn't been a part of this, this group celebration time, I would have missed out on having this reward, this prize that was connected to it. 
We started a series last week where we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. And Eric kicked that off for us last week, and we're going to continue it today. And if you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 so that you can follow along with us, although it will be up on the screen as well. And we're going to look at kind of the beginning, verse 3 through 14. And verse 3 through 14 is this really interesting passage for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons that I think it's interesting is because in many ways, it's a celebration. It is this ode to salvation and how wonderful and awesome salvation is. And this passage, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, it's actually, like, I know there's periods in, in our text, but in the original Greek, it's actually just one really long sentence. Kind of this one run-on sentence. And what a sentence it is. It's quite a sentence. Ephesians as a book, as a whole, I believe can be summarized as being a celebration. It's the celebration of Christ's saving power. How he is powerful to save. And it's kind of this guide to experiencing this power in your life. But don't, don't let the word celebration fool you. Paul is not just randomly yaying all over the place. He's laying out an argument. He's laying out a case, and this is what the case he's laying out for us, that Christ really does have saving power. And so this ode to salvation we find in Ephesians chapter 1. And so I'm just going to read it. We're going to read through 3 through 14, and then we're going to go back and kind of step through it together. And so if you would follow along as we read this really long run-on sentence. Verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I mean, it's a mouthful. It's a really long sentence. It's kind of overwhelming. And I want to emphasize that this is one sentence in the original Greek. And it's designed, I think, in some ways, to overwhelm you. It's designed to get you to say, hold on, slow down a little bit, because I'm having a hard time keeping up. But I think Paul here, he's trying to get you excited. And he's saying, in a nutshell, he's saying this. He's saying that being saved is awesome, and God is awesome for saving us. So we should praise him. And sometimes this idea of, of being saved by God and, and God's saving power we need to just stop and take a moment and recognize how awesome 
that power is. And that's what Paul is doing here. And so I want to break this down in a couple ways. First, I want to take a sentence, kind of a summary sentence of this text. And here's what it is. All of God has been working throughout all of time to save all of you. All of God has been working throughout all of time to save all of you. That first part, all of God. We see it here in this text. You see God the Father at the beginning and the end. You see God the Son all the way through here and everything. It's, it's in him and through him and in Christ. And then we also see the Holy Spirit, especially coming in at the end as the seal of what God has done. All of God has been working throughout all of time. That through all of time, before history began, predestined. And we're going to come back to that word in a second. And so before time, this has taken place. We've got your your past taken care of. You're forgiven of past sins. Your present is taken care of in the process of you being redeemed. And we have your future taken care of. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. All of God has been working throughout all of time to save all of you. Save all of you. That last part The idea that both that God is working to take care of the penalty of sin, forgiveness of sins, and working to take care of the power of sin in your life. You are redeemed and freed from these things to be holy and blameless. And it's not just you as individuals, but it's you as people. And this story of salvation, it's bringing to fulfillment from Abraham's blessings of all nations. And we see this in verse 11. And following where it says, we were chosen according to his plan and you were included in this. So I think in this passage, by design, we are given a lot to think about. It's a lot to take in. And so how do we make sense of all this? How do we bring home a little bit of what's written here for us in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14? And so I want to suggest that we can get our hands wrapped around this by just listing out some of these blessings. And so the text begins, begins with the, this phrase of praise be to the God who has blessed us, which means God has done good things to us. And I see a, it listing out a number of blessings, telling a story, which we find a lot of things that God has done for us. And so I want us this morning to walk through this list together. And in case you're here this morning and you've ever wondered if you are a person that no one has ever done anything good for, you can't really say that after this text. And so let's look at this list together. In verse 4, Paul says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The first thing that we find, the first blessing, is that God chose us. Now this language is the language of Israel applied to the church. And we see this same language in Deuteronomy chapter 7, where God and Moses are having this conversation about, God, why did you you choose the people of Israel? Why did you choose us? And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And then in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 7, says, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. Basically, what's happening here is Moses is raising the question, 
Why would God choose us? And God himself says why he chose us. It's not because you were more numerous. It's not because you were more impressive. It's not because you were prettier than others. It's because, God says, I saw you and I saw an opportunity to demonstrate my own grace and my own love by choosing you. And Paul says, God has chose us who believe in Jesus. He's chosen us to be holy and blameless. He's chosen us for a purpose. He's picked us first before we have made any sort of move toward him. Sometimes we talk about finding God. And I mean, that's fine, I guess. It's not bad language to say, I found God. As long as you realize that you are finding someone who has been looking for you all along. It's the idea of like, if, if you're out with your kid somewhere and they get lost. Not that this would ever happen to me, but you're out somewhere and, and your kid gets away from you and, and gets lost and so they're looking for you, but, but you're looking for them and you find them. And then they say to you, like, I've been looking for you everywhere. I found you. Like, yes, you did, but I am finding you. When, when God chooses us, he finds us. And so we see that God chose us, not only this, but we also see this next part. In verse 5, it says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So the second thing on our list is that God predestined us. Okay, some of you now feel nervous because of that word predestined. That is, that is like a $5 word right there. How do you make sense of the idea of predestined? Man, it, it kind of messes with your head a little bit to think of that word. If you're, if you're familiar with various theological debates, you know that this word is a word that people fight over a lot. Some people say that it means one thing. Other people says that it means another thing. Does this word mean that God actually, before time, decided that there were certain people who were going to be saved, and I'm going to predestine these people to be saved, and then there are certain people who are not going to be saved, who are going to be judged and spend eternity in hell, and I'm going to predetermine that those people are going to be judged in that way. So I don't think that is what Paul means. And here's the reason why. The secret is right here in the grammar. He says in verse 5, he says, In love he predestined us for for adoption to sonship. Who is us? Well, if you look down, later on you realize that us are those who believe the gospel message. And so what I believe that God is saying here, what I believe that he's revealing here, is not that God has decided that some of you will be saved and some of you will not be saved, and he's predetermined who that specific individual is. It's that God has decided that certain benefits will be graced and given to whomever put faith in Jesus Christ. It would be like if we had this example. If we were to say, hey, next Saturday... Everybody who is in the Fusakli's lobby on university at 5 p.m. will receive $10,000 and Fusakli's chicken tenders for a year free, right? And then everybody who's in those doors at that time, they would receive that benefit. We're not predetermining who's getting that benefit. We've just predetermined the group that gets that benefit. That's what Paul is talking about here. There's a group that gets the benefit, that gets the reward of sonship. And it's the group that has faith in Jesus Christ. So, in love, he predestined us. Who is us? It's those who believe in Jesus. And what did he predestine us for? That we would receive adoption to sonship. That we would get to call God Father. So, going on, 
third thing on the list in verse 7 and 8. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. The third thing, another blessing, is that he redeems us. God redeems us. This idea of redemption is this idea, this action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. This idea of being bought out of slavery and sent into freedom. There's a story about a little boy who builds this tiny toy boat. And he's so proud of it and he carves his name on the bottom of it and he loves this toy boat. And so one day he's out playing with the toy boat and the toy boat gets away from him on the water and he loses it and he's devastated. And then one day he's walking through town and he is walking by the shop and he sees in the window, he sees that same toy boat. He's like, this is, this is my toy boat. And he goes inside, and he looks at it, he sees his name carved in the bottom, and he goes to the shop owner, and he says, this is mine. I made this boat. And the shop owner's like, I'm sorry, if you want the boat, you're going to have to buy the boat. And so he goes home, and he gets all the money he can. He comes back in, and he purchases the boat. And as he's leaving the shop, he says to the little boat, I don't know what he's talking, but he's talking to the little boat, and he says to the little boy, boat, he says, you are twice mine because I made you, and I bought you back. When it comes to this redemption that we receive from God, we are twice his. Not only did God create us, but he bought us back. He purchased us back. He redeemed us with his blood into freedom. You are no longer to be enslaved, but will be free. And this idea of redemption is connected to the next thing on our list. It's connected to the idea of God forgiving us for our sins. God has forgiven us. We realize that Paul is probably describing salvation in Christ along the ideas of the exodus of God's people in Egypt. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. God coming in judgment of the sins of Egypt. And he was freeing them from bondage. And how did it happen? Well, the way that he freed them was they put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost to protect them from the destroyer. The judgment that was coming, they were actually going to be freed from. They're not held accountable for it. And the same is true for us. We receive forgiveness because of the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ. It allows us to not receive judgment, but instead to receive the blessing of forgiveness. A couple more. In verse 9 it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So the fifth thing is this. God has revealed truth to us. This idea of revelation. God has made known to us the secret of the universe. It's not like the kid who doesn't understand the term. It's not like the person who's been left out of the party. God has told us, I am saving the world through the Jesus that you know. He's revealed to us what this plan is that we get to be a part of. Then two more. Verse 11, it says, In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. The sixth thing is that God has appointed us. He's appointed us for a role in the plan. Jews had a role in the plan. Gentiles have a specific role in God's plan. Each of us have a specific place on the team. In some translations, some versions, this word, Appointed is actually chosen. In fact, the one that we read from, it's, it says chosen instead of appointed. But the word in Greek is actually a different word. It's not the same word. Back in verse 4, chosen is this idea of I want you in my house. 
But here in verse 11, this term appointed, it means I want you on my team and I have a task. I have a role for you. You are appointed. And the last one, verse 13 and 14, says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The last thing, last blessing, is that we are sealed by his Spirit. God has sealed us with the Spirit for the day of redemption. What this means is that God has given us his Spirit as a deposit of what is to come as a promise that is guaranteeing the inheritance that is coming our way. And so when you think about this, think about the ancient practice of a king putting his signet ring on the seal of a document that was sent. It's the same idea, same principle here. It's this down payment. You can have a little bit of it now, but what you have right now is a guarantee of what is to come in the future. And so to me, as we look at verse 3 through 14 of chapter 1, there is a lot of good stuff in this text. A lot of things to be excited about. A lot of good things that God has done for me and for you in Christ. And when, when I think about this text, when I think about all the things that God has done for us through Jesus and the Spirit, it gets me excited. Like, we should be excited about this. It should be a celebratory feeling, knowing what God has done for us. But also, I can't help but also think about those who haven't made it. Specifically, those that know these things, that have heard these things. Maybe at once seemed to really believe these things and they were a part of their life, and now they, now they don't. They don't believe it any longer. They don't believe that these things are true. And you, you probably have some names of people that you can think of that fit that description. And we can't help but wonder to ourselves, why would you walk away from this? This is such good news, such exciting information, such exciting news about the blessings that we receive by being in Christ. Why would somebody walk away from this? Why do we fall? Why do we drift? And I, th- I, think, I think part of the answer has to be that long before we deny the gospel, we lose sight of it. Long before we deny the gospel of Jesus Christ, we lose sight of it. Long before we walk away from Jesus, we take our eyes off of him. Now, I believe that the gospel is always the most relevant solution to whatever problems are happening in our life or in the world. But I think the problem is that sometimes we can't see it. And the reason we can't see it, maybe, is because we have stopped looking. We can't understand how the gospel can help these real problems and difficulties that we face because we've ceased thinking about what God has done for us. I believe that the blessings of the gospel become real to those who think about them. This passage in Ephesians chapter 1 is a call to worship. It's a call to think. It's a call to intelligent worship. Wow, look at all these things that God has done for us. Look at all the many ways that he's blessed us. And so we get this long, run-on sentence of all these many ways that we're blessed when we are in Christ. This is a celebration passage. All of God has been working through all of time to save all of you. This idea of being saved is awesome and God is awesome for saving us. And so we should praise him for that. And so this morning, I would like to encourage you 
to continue that celebration. Don't lose sight of the fact of all the many ways that God has blessed us. Maybe you need to go write your own run-on sentence of all of these things. My, uh, I've got some family in town this week, and I won't make them stand or embarrass them, but my, my younger brother Aaron and his family are here. And I remember he, he's a couple grades below me, and he went to the same high school, and they had the same event, the same party. And I don't think he was necessarily very excited about going to it either, but he was going to go. And part of the reason he was going to go to it was he was thinking, well, maybe I'll win a computer, right? I mean, Andrew won something, maybe I'll win something, and, and so I'll go. And so he went to it, and I can kind of have this memory of, and you can correct me on this later if you want, but uh, this memory of the next morning seeing you come in after an all-nighter and asking him if he won anything, and he told me he did not win anything. And I think was kind of bummed or disappointed because that was the reason that he went. He went to the celebration to get the reward. And sometimes that happens, right? As we, we try to be a part of something, and maybe we don't win the prize. We don't win the reward. What's very different about the celebration that we get to join in in this group of believers and being a follower of Christ is that all of us get to share in that reward. All of us get to be a part of the reward. All of us get to be included in that. No one is left out when you are in Christ. This morning, if you're here and you want to take part in that reward, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, give your life to Christ, obey the gospel message of Jesus, you can receive the reward. Paul says it's guaranteed, right? You get this seal of the Holy Spirit, this inheritance that you can be a part of. And so we want to offer you that invitation this morning. If you would like to become a follower of Jesus, or, or maybe you're here and you have lost sight of the blessings that are found in being a follower of Christ. Maybe you've taken your eyes off of it and so you've started to drift away. And maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need prayers or encouragement or you're hurting in some way. We want to give you an opportunity to receive the prayers of the congregation here. Let's celebrate with, with you this morning. If you're here this morning and you need encouragement or need prayers or would like to follow Jesus, won't you come now as together we stand and sing?